Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our, Our teaching team, team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to, to expand, expand in faith, faith hope, and love. hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because, because they, they anchor us in something, something which can, can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we exist to join god's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching good morning the new testament reading this morning is from luke chapter 1 verses 39 through 58. in those days mary set out and went with haste to a judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Josh. Okay, I'm gonna go around you this way. Ooh, I'm back. Feels like I was just here. Welcome, welcome on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Whether you're here in the chapel or if you're joining us on live stream, Let's just take a moment to notice and center our bodies before we dive into this rich text today. So I'm gonna borrow from Cole Arthur Riley, who writes the Black Liturgy's Instagram account along with the book, This Here Flesh, which, is, which was read by many within our congregation. And if you haven't yet, it's a great, <clears throat> challenging and amazing book. So what we're gonna do is a breath prayer where we're gonna breathe in on the phrase, the world grows loud. And then we're gonna breathe out on the phrase, the silence is a harbor. So when I say the world grows loud, you breathe in. And when I say the silence is a harbor, you exhale your breath. Let's try this a couple of times. 
The world grows loud. This silence is a harbor. The world grows loud. This silence is a harbor. Each week during Advent, we've had this same thread of God's story moving through generation to generation. And in telling this story throughout Advent, we've journeyed through the prophecy of Jesus' coming um, from Isaiah. Dan and Allie preached from Isaiah. We had a little foretaste of kind of a, an Isaiah passage this morning that gave a little chuckle. There's like some wearying the masses and then wearying God as well, I feel like. Oh. My child would say, I weary her on many, many days. So, <clears throat> And last week, Dan visited the story of Joseph as he learned of Mary's pregnancy. And I, as I listened to Dan's sermon this week, oh, I just loved the connections that he made about Joseph's lineage and how those threads <sighs> might have been woven into the decisions that he made as he had to trust God and as he decided to trust Mary. Today, we turn to Mary's story. And we're reminded again how our interactions with one another help to generate a new world. There's so much intimacy and connection and strength in these words that Josh read for us today. And there's this deep delight and there's laughter and there's wonder woven into the narrative. And today feels like a morning to kind of lean into that, into that connection and deep delight that comes from these experiences. So we're traveling with Mary through our scripture portion. She just had this visit from the angel Gabriel, and she gets these, this astounding news, right? She's quite perplexed. And to paraphrase, the text says that she made haste to see her cousin Elizabeth in the country. This is often referred to as the visitation and the magnificat. This, I love these like really grand words that we use for these. And a little context on where we find Elizabeth in this story. She's also pregnant, right? She's pregnant with John the baby, who's going to become John the Baptist. And did you know that when you're 35 or older and you're pregnant, medical records here, in, at least in Minnesota, say you're having a geriatric pregnancy. All right? That was a real boost to my ego when I was pregnant with Freya. And I read that. So, you know, I feel a real kinship with Elizabeth's story here, right? Because Zechariah, her husband, he's the temple priest. And when he receives word that Elizabeth's going to have a baby, he's like, he referred to her as his wife who was getting on in years. <laughs> but the angel there, too, reminds him that God's got this. So Elizabeth is in seclusion for five months during this pregnancy, and Mary shows up. Mary comes to visit. She's set out on this really... It's a significant journey, right? It, it's not like she just went next door and was like, ah, help me out, I'm super stressed. She had to take a several-day journey to get to her cousin's home after having this really big revelation. So our first all-play today, what thoughts or feelings do you imagine Mary has as she journeys from her, cousin, from her home to her cousin's home? What thoughts or feelings do you think she might have had? Why me? Yeah. Did she go alone? Oh, did she go alone? Hmm. Wondering if Elizabeth would believe her. Wondering if Elizabeth would believe her. Yeah. 
Yeah, John, yeah. Wondering if Mary is feeling unsafe and where she's at and wondering if this next place that she's going to will be a place of safety, like that uncertainty of knowing, of not knowing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right on, Cassandra. Good noticing that she's going to the home of her cousin, but her cousin's husband is the temple priest. So there's an even bigger concern like, am I going to face some harsher punishment? She doesn't know that the angel strikes Zechariah speechless, right? Because he doesn't believe. So she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that even if he was going <laughs> to be extra firm. The guy can't say anything at all, so, yeah. Yeah, she, she shows up not knowing what, what she could be showing up into, and she takes that big risk. And in Elizabeth's welcome, we see such a reversal of social expectations, because it's not a stretch of the imagination, right? To imagine this girl who's engaged to be married and is also pregnant, would arrive on her relative's doorstep and she would run the risk of estrangement. Like that's, that's kind of the way it would or should go, right? Mary might not have known what to expect. But in her condition, she's like, well, I'm going to take this chance. And I imagine the relief that she must have felt when she experienced that deep welcome and that deep joy and affirmation from Elizabeth. I imagine she probably felt pretty lonely, right? And many of us have felt that kind of loneliness or experienced that kind of loneliness now, too, wondering how are you going to make it through this next step? Or even she might have been questioning if her experience had been real in the first place, right? So you have this, like, wild experience where the angel shows up to you, and that's a long journey to someone's home where you have to name that aloud, wondering, "Mm, was that a dream? Was that, what, what just happened to me? And so Elizabeth offers her this safe place to land, a welcome into a new beginning, a crossing of a new threshold into whatever is next. And this entire passage of scripture is full of reversals, situations turned on their head in ways that we may not have imagined. And the first reversal we see here is in Elizabeth's welcome because she recognizes and responds which is this beautiful theme throughout our scripture portion today. She could have turned Mary away, cousin or not. She could have turned Mary away. She could have sent her back home and not helped out this girl. But instead of choosing this socially acceptable option, Elizabeth leans fully into noticing and naming what she's experiencing in this very physical and profound way. Verses 41 through 45, we see Elizabeth's embodied response to Mary's arrival. The passage reads, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth exudes this radical welcome when she recognizes what is taking place for Mary and for herself in that moment. And in doing so, Elizabeth ushers in this new beginning for Mary, 
who had to have been scared and uncertain. Mary greets Elizabeth at a literal threshold, right? The doorway of Elizabeth's home. And then she helps her through this threshold moment of her life when all is about to change. So think for a moment about a threshold moment in your own life. Who were the people who greeted you? Who were the people who supported you through that transition? So our second all play, and this is really just a name or a, a, a type of person who helped you, but who were the folks who supported you through your own big transitions in life? Your parents and your husband, yeah, who are here today, yeah. Your brother. Your dad's brother. Your friends. Matt, your friend Matt. <laughs> oh, thanks, Allie. If I were good at making a heart, I'm not very good at it. I'll make a heart towards you. I'll do, the, I'll do this heart. I can do this one. Allie said Karen, Rebecca. Yes. <laughs> I think about my uncles, especially um, was reminded of this last weekend as we you know, as we're honoring my grandpa's life and thinking back to how those same uncles who were there were also supportive of me after my dad died 15 years ago and walking through that type of grief together and what it means to kind of step into this un unwelcome transition into, into that grief, but how supportive they were, even in, their own, even in their own grief. We asked Freya, Freya and Josh are my, um, they're my sermon testers, so they always, they're always gracious and let me kind of speak my sermon to them before, and then they do the all plays too. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of amazing that like, as much as I think my child doesn't hear my voice most of the time, she actually does a really good job listening. Um, sure, she was trapped in the car yesterday for several hours and didn't really have a choice. But um, her response, and because she's down in kids, um, she wanted to say it aloud, but she remembered she was going to be in kids. Um, her example was that she, her big transition was that she had to defeat a super tough level on Zelda. And she was very clearly able to name that her dad and her cousin walked her through that transition, and that was hard for her, and yet she knew she could count on them. I know, I love that girl. I'm gonna make that little heart right now, okay. <laughs> Dr. Christine Hong, who wrote the commentary for our um, Advent devotional this year, she noted in her own spiritual journey, whenever I reach a significant impasse in my life, I look for the people in the communities who are waiting on the other side. People and communities to help anchor you in that newness, to hold you in those nebulous spaces of change, in the uncertainty and in, in the fear. And Elizabeth greets Mary on the threshold, not only of her door, but the threshold of something new in Mary's life. And welcome back, kids, and clearly, like, I'm totally going over time today. <laughs> okay. Welcome. Do I hear some little jingle bells? I love it. Have any of you seen that new um, J&B whiskey ad that's from Spain that's been circulating on the internet? The kids are here just in time. I know. We're talking about whiskey. Anybody, anybody seen that ad? Yeah, Cassandra. Yeah. So um, 
It's this long form, form ad, and um, I'm going to encourage you to like check it out on YouTube when you go home. It'll make you cry. So it's this long ad, um, and of course, speaking about it can't really do justice to it, so you'll have to take a look at it. But it shows this elderly gentleman throughout this ad who's trying to learn how to apply makeup, right? He is struggling to find out, how do you put lipstick on? He's shopping at his neighborhood store for eyeshadow. He's perusing ads to mimic makeup techniques and, and trying to keep it quiet, right? So he kind of hides the makeup stash. And he's teaching himself throughout the commercial. And at first it feels like it's kind of like a sweet, a sweet ad that's, that's talking about him like exploring something for himself, right? But in the closing scene, it's Christmas dinner and the family arrives and what you find out in, this, in the preparations for the meal as he invites his transgender grandchild into the other room, that he is really practicing all of this to help them be able to express their own um, beauty and their own self for Christmas dinner. Oh, I get goosebumps thinking about it. I know you guys haven't seen it all, but check it out. It, it's, about, it's a beautiful story about making space for people as they truly are and seeing people as they truly are. And it's the same type of welcome and love that takes place in Elizabeth and Mary's story. Cole Arthur Riley puts it well in her book, This Here Flesh, when she talks about belonging. We need other people to see our own faces, to bear witness to the beauty and the truth within us. God's made it so we can never fully know the curve of your own nose because you can't see it. When you see it in a mirror, it's just a reflection. And I want someone to bear witness to my face. That we could behold the image of God in one another and believe it on one another's behalf. So Elizabeth notices and names. She welcomes Mary and the spirit of God moves through her in confirmation of all that is taking place in and through Mary. It is miraculous and it emerges from the very ordinariness and sacredness of our own bodies. She sees the divine in Mary, and she recognizes her own inherent worth as a child of God as well. Elizabeth's prophetic word and blessing over Mary's life allows Mary then the chance to sing her own song and response about the new thing that God is doing in her life. And her words captured in the Magnificat are some of the most well-loved and often quoted passages of all of Scripture. Elizabeth confirms for Mary what she heard from the angel, and Mary took this big risk in trusting what the angel said. So what a gift it is that she receives confirmation and affirmation from Elizabeth. It wasn't simply a dream. Her response is full of awe and wonder and cosmic reversals. And in it, it's the paradox of our faith, right? That Mary is proclaiming a future God who will bring about a new day through this yet-to-be-born Messiah. The reign of God has already come and is, and is still yet not fully recognized. Christ died, lived, died, and each year we enter into the season of waiting and hoping for Christ to come again. And we live in that tension of experiencing God's reign in part now and in part in full realization in the world to come. So Mary's word proclaim, words proclaim a future where God has already liberated all people, reversing, again, there's that reversal, the very fabric of economic and political realities in her prophetic voice. 
And this is good, good news, friends, that we were alone and God came into the world so that our loneliness was not the final word. In that act, God turns everything on its head, fulfilling what had been promised long ago, inviting us into the reign of God that is experienced in the now and the not yet. So the last I'll play here. In what ways does the Magnificat comfort you? And in what ways, or in what ways, might it unsettle you? So when you look at those words in what Josh read, that second portion where Mary is speaking her response to this new thing God is doing for her, where do you find comfort? And where are you unsettled as you read it? Will said, um, when he reads this, there's that tension of hearing Mary's words about God having already done this through the person of Jesus, and yet for us in 2022, that's the year, right? <laughs> what year is it? 2022, to know that like the rich are still fully fed and folks are hungry. Yeah. Thanks, Will. I love this image of Mary in these verses. This isn't just the meek and subservient girl from your nativity sets where she's always got these downcast eyes, right? Where she's just simply a vessel. She's a vessel, but she is the, is the theotokos, the God-bearer. And she brings a super prophetic word of the God who inhabits our timeline. She proclaims God's faithfulness, God's new plan, and she's not keeping quiet about it. Mary believed that God would do what God promised they would do, and she accepted that God had already been working and changing everything as she knew it. She proclaims a present and future reality where God blesses the lowliest within a society. She makes a claim for generation upon generation to receive God's mercy. Mary announces a great reversal of all things with the advent of the incarnate God. The good news of Christ's coming is not simply spiritual, but it's tangible, it's disruptive, it's justice-making. We're going to leave this chapel today, those of you who are here, or you're going to turn off the live stream after the benediction, and we're going to move through our week. Probably at a little frenzied pace, right, the week leading up to Christmas, and in our waiting, we're going to be waiting to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I wonder in doing this if we could lean into a pattern of recognition and response that we find within Elizabeth and Mary. They were surprised by the news of their pregnancies. And as Scott Erickson in Honest Advent says, the same surprises happen to us. He said, it's a surprise that life can come through barren places. It's a surprise that meek nobodies partake in divine plans. It's a surprise that messengers are sent all along the way through our hidden journeys just to let us know we're not alone. It's a surprise 
a deep surprise that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And on the days when I can believe it, I'm awestruck with wonder at the absurdity and the surprise of it all. And it may not be how I expect it, right? Some days, you know what? I'd really like a God who arrives just to kick some butt and set everything right. See, I changed the word. I had a different word in my prep yesterday. My husband and child said, don't say, don't say that other word. <laughs> you almost got me. Is it a word that my kids had once said? No, 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 no. Not that extreme. <laughs> I want that God who arrives like that sometimes, and instead I get God incarnate as a baby. A baby and a promise that everything is going to be turned upside down. And we don't have a script for that, Right? It's hard to imagine the lion and the lamb lying down together. It's hard to imagine the absence of pain when pain is all we know. It's hard to imagine peace when it feels like we are in constant chaos. And in the absence of imagination, all I have is hope. And when I don't have enough hope, I'm going to borrow it from you and from you and from you. And that's why we live our faith in community for the sheer need in our bones to be reminded of and to remind each other of God's presence in our midst. I need you, and you need me. We are merry, showing up unannounced, hoping for a welcome. We are Elizabeth in the doorway, offering safe companionship across the threshold. These women show us the very essence of what it means for us to be human, to recognize the divine in one another, to welcome the divine in our midst, and to celebrate and hold on to hope in the God who dwells among us. Amen. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If If you find find yourself nearby nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you have have any any questions or or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.